Welcome to The Lively Show. Let's explore the beauty of being alive. Hello, my friends, and welcome to today's show. I am so excited to be carrying forward the Beauty of Being Alive series. Thank you so much for all of your birthday wishes over the last week as well. It was so nice to get all of those little messages over on Instagram at Bella Lively World. Thank you, thank you. It feels like this is just a new year of my own life and also season 11 coming forward into a new, you know, sense of exploration and fun and lightness into the show as well. I have some guests coming up on the show soon, but today is another solo episode. I wanted to kind of round out the other episode I did last time for you in the episode before this one about the favorite treatments and beauty treatments to do at home. These in this episode are going to be my favorite treatments to do in a professional setting. So if that's a salon or a spa or what have you, I'm going to share those favorite things. Obviously, these are personal to me and my experiences as I've tried different things around the world in many different countries and continents. So hopefully it's a pretty interesting learn and lesson for different people listening. I know so many people in the community also live around the world. So of course, you're going to have to take all of this with a grain of salt, see what sparks any joy for you. If any of them actually feel like something you want to explore that you haven't already, or maybe you have your own lineup of very favorite things to do in a salon or professional setting, obviously, by all means, go with what sparks your joy. But in case this is useful or just even aligning to listen to, I am going to rave about my very favorite things. And before we even get into it, I want to say this at the very start, because if I had a daughter and I was telling my daughter or a good friend that, you know, was asking me about getting into the idea of starting to work with professionals and getting beauty treatments done. This is something I've had to learn the hard way, and now I would love to pay it forward and pass on the wisdom from the experimental fails that I've had in the past myself so that others may be able to succeed more often than I did. I can tell you this, when it comes to who you work with on any of these types of things, it's often only as good as the person that's doing the treatment themselves. So the treatments can be great, but if the person doing the actual treatment isn't great at what they're doing, they could create more of a havoc or just have more of a lackluster result than someone that's better at doing these types of things. So it really, really is about finding the very potentially best person within your price range, within your location that you're at, all things considered, to do the work. So when it comes to this, I'm thinking very, very specifically, I learned this lesson when it came to getting my eyebrows laminated and eyelashes lifted in London. I'd had it done beautifully in Portugal and other places in the world, especially Australia and Portugal, no problem. But then when it came to London, I didn't know where to go. So I used the good old Google reviews. And Google reviews, I think, are a fantastic place to go if you don't know anybody to recommend to you who's like a favorite friend like me in real life that might be able to give you a recommendation that they've already tried and tested and know that is wonderful for whatever treatment you're looking into. But Google reviews can kind of be that friend for you. However, what I didn't do properly, the first place I found in London, here's what I didn't do. Well, what I did do that was wrong. (laughs) What I did was I searched for eyebrow lamination and eyelash lift, and I found a location that had almost five-star reviews, but many almost five-star reviews. So let's say if it was like 4.8 or 4.7, 4.9, 
1.9 overall in this location. So I thought that's fantastic. This place has really good reviews. This is going to be a really good place to go to. Well, here's the thing. What I learned is that this place I went to also did microblading, eyebrow microblading, the little tattoo on your eyebrows. So the five-star reviews were actually for the owner of the salon doing microblading. They were not five-star reviews for the person doing the eyebrow lamination or the lash lift. So I kind of thought the glow effect of like this owner and all these five-star reviews about her ability to do microblading would also carry forward into the people that she hired for her salon. That was not the case, however. And I don't want to say the name of the salon because I just feel like it's, I'm not trying to like rag on anybody too hard, but I can just say this will be the way to, if you, even if you find this salon in London, just look for really raving reviews for the type of person. That, look for the name of the person doing the treatments and the type of treatment. So I wasn't looking at reviews saying five stars, five stars, five stars for eyebrow lamination and lash lift. I was seeing microblading and I didn't, connect the dots that like there is a chance I kind of went on a on a limb and just hoped that she'd have a good person working for her doing the other treatments or maybe I would get the owner herself but when I booked in they didn't tell me who I was working with so that's another way you could probably guess that maybe if there's like the microblading owner she probably does do a decent lash lift or eyebrow lamination if she offers those services herself I would have been better off probably going with the owner that was good at the other stuff rather than just going on a hunch getting put with whoever was available that day and then having my eyelashes really, and the eyebrows really, really damaged and wonky looking. It was way worse. <laughs> I wish I had never done it. I ended up spending way more money on eyelash extensions for the months after that to cover up the damage that was done. So that is my fair warning to you when it comes to who to pick and who to work with. Reviews are very, very helpful if they are for the review of the treatment and the facilitator of that treatment in question. Okay, so now this was for fun. Jess, my friend in Detroit, who've heard in the show before, asked me as I was telling her I was going to record this this morning. She said, why don't you rank it to from like your least favorite to your most favorite so people can know exactly of all these things I'm going to share, what my actual true favorites are and which ones are also favorites, but maybe a little less essential to the joy factor of my life. So I love doing all of these on a semi. There's one of them that's kind of a very occasional basis, but most of these are under the idea of doing these on a regular basis whether that's weekly, monthly, bi-weekly, you know, one of these is yearly. But otherwise, this is like the regular treatments that I like to go in for when the time, space, and location I'm in allow for it. So coming in at number eight. So eight, and then there's a tie at number one. So there's kind of, I guess that means there's nine things total. But coming in at number eight is facials with extractions for acne. So for those, I do still get messages asking about my very extreme cystic acne that I had for many, many years. And those years, um, some people still ask me about that. If you are struggling with very deep and painful cystic acne, I understand all too well what that is like. For many years, I had the same. And the thing that I found most useful, I, I like, I have so much compassion as I say this one. I do think it's very helpful. And at the same time, I know how actually extremely emotional and painful it is when the extractions are actually happening. So... I, I mean, I remember crying and feeling terrible and having a lot of emotions. And I guess you could say emotional beanbags coming through this kind of experience. But at the same time, it does really help clear out the face. So I would recommend it. And I want to flag for anyone living in California specifically or visiting California at some point, Skin Salvation San Francisco. If you're not familiar and you have deep, 
painful, disfiguring, facial disfiguring cystic acne like I did, Skin Salvation came into my life at that time and I still love and cherish uh, their process and also their products and most importantly, their product checker. This is a little bit of a tangent, but if you have that cystic acne, I just want you to know they have an amazing tool on their website, Skin Salvation SF. So just Google that, find their website. They have a like an ingredient checker on their website. So all you have to do is put in your email and then you get to have access to this free checker tool. And you can just drop in the ingredient lists of any products you're thinking about trying, makeup, skincare, you name it. And they will be able to show you and highlight how clogging or non-clogging those products in that ingredient list actually are. It is outrageously effective if you are really strict about which products you have and if you don't use cloggers as their ingredient list show. So it's super easy because it'll just highlight in your ingredient list the products that are clogging and how clogging they are. Or if there's none, they'll say it's a really great product to use. So if you are dealing with very deep acne problems, that location, that website, their resources, or going in and working with them directly was one of those pivotal pieces when it came to my acne journey on the level of understanding what to use on my face, what was going to flare it up most likely, and also to get those extractions. But they were extremely painful. So I do think they help, but also I have a lot of compassion if you go get them. Hang in there. That's all I can say. Um, And it does over time seem to typically get better. It wasn't a quick fix for me, um, but I'll share more about that in other episodes to come about what I think if I could look back and like guide myself forward from where I was, knowing what I know now, what I would also do differently, but we'll save that subject for later. So, number seven, and this is especially great for those who may not be dealing with cystic acne, like I just said in number eight, hydrofacials. So, this hydrofacial is a type of tool. Be careful. I went to Portugal recently recently wanting to get a hydrofacial and Googled in reviews and Google Maps for hydrofacial Portugal, found a great price and a location, got there only to find out that the hydrofacial they were using wasn't the actual hydrofacial trademark or, you know, the actual machine that I was looking for. They just used the name Hydra because it was hydrating as a facial. So I would really just kind of double check if you're looking for a hydrofacial to make sure you're getting the actual tool I'm speaking of, if you're looking to try what I'm describing, because sometimes they can use the words, not necessarily deliberately to mislead you necessarily. They changed the name of the facial actually after I told them, oh, wait, that's not what I thought it was. Do you know that this is the actual trademarked thing? So people might be getting confused like I did. They changed it to like the moisture facial or something like that after it. But hydrofacials are this little sucky tube that's going to decongest this top surface of your skin. It's very gentle. It's very nice, glowy, detoxifying, clarifying. It's usually done sometimes with peels or other things that are a little bit more intense. There could be extractions in the facial package you might get or not. But basically, at the end of the day, if you are not using a manual physical exfoliator, um, the one I'm going to be trying, so I'm not going to actually be doing these now going forward actually at all. But if you're not doing the two home things I'm going to describe in a second, I do think hydrofacials monthly can be an amazing tool for those that aren't dealing with insane cystic acne. It can be good for acne too. I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying if you're, you have a cystic acne, go to a acne specific type of facial to probably get a more targeted treatment that's going to help you more. But the hydrofacial for the average type of skincare person can be quite effective to keep your skin light, bright, glowy, dewy, all those good things on a, you know, basically on a semi-regular basis, having that nice refresh, I think with other facials, peels, whatever they might do with you is great. I know my friend Jess in Detroit has a place that she goes to that has a subscription service so she can actually get a discounted rate on a monthly facial. And she 
loved doing that and is going to go back to that kind of process. And I think hydrofacial was one of those steps in her routine that she would get through the process of that you know, regular occurrence with those facials that she's going to buy. But I would find a facial with hydrofacial. Now, if you want to do the home version of this, I do think you can get an amazing result. Um, almost the same, not quite as great, but almost. And this is just about the hydrofacial tool itself, not any other extra bonuses, bells and whistles that the facialist might add in. But if you're just looking at what the hydrofacial literally does, I would say that the other thing I'm loving is the Yo Glow Enzyme, pineapple enzyme mask. That tool, they put a new little label on their bottle I saw when I got my new one. And it says use on dry skin on the front. And I'm so glad they posted that because that wasn't previously on the label. And so I've been kind of lazily not looking at the instruction manual or the instructions in the back for years that I've been using it. So over time to just save time, I've been washing my face and then throwing the Yoglo enzyme mask onto my face while the soapy suds are still on my face, not on dry skin. And I was like, eh, it's kind of lackluster. And it was kind of losing my appreciation for it until I saw the new little sticker on the travel size that I just purchased. And it said, use on dry skin. So I decided, okay, I'll do it before I wash my face or after I've dried my face after washing it, I'll try it that way. And oh my goodness, it does 10 times a better job. If you're doing it on dry skin, just rub, rub, rub. It's so nice. Don't like harshly hurt your face, but just gently rub the little um, beads that form as you rub around your face. And it just like sucks up all the dead skin cells that are sitting on the surface. So if you do it on dry skin, it can be incredibly effective. And I would say if I did that every five to seven days, I think that's doing a very good job if you're trying to save money that's almost equivalent to the specific hydrofacial tool itself on your own at home. The thing I'm going to start also trying once I have an exciting transition happening, which happens tomorrow as I record this, um, you'll probably know what I'm talking about if you follow me on Instagram after this episode airs because this transition will have happened. But there is a new tool that I have from the Daily Co., my very favorite skincare of all time. That company uh, and Jack, the owner of it, has created a microderm abrasion tool for home use. So it looks like a the shape almost without the toothbrush part of an electric toothbrush, but it has this little tool at the top the to microderm abrasion your face. So at home style. <laughs> Got the tool. I need to read the instructions and get going with it, but I'm excited to give that a go because aside from the Yoglo, I think that's going to be my way to just keep the surface skin as I use my retinol and all the other tool products um, for the skincare liquid side of it. This is going to be my physical to go forward. So hopefully that will give me again a little bit what the hydrofacial does, but the hydrofacial also is using moisture and a lot of great ingredients. So if you're not doing any of these other things, I think a hydrofacial is going to do a lot of the heavy lifting for you, along with many of the bells and whistles that facialists throw in with it. Now, number six, this is especially, I've got some stipulations on the favorite ways I like to use this. There's the lash lift and eyebrow lamination that I mentioned earlier. Okay. So I said this in the home thing as well. I do think a lash lift is great, especially mostly after using three months of eyelash serum. So if you use an eyelash serum, and I already shared this in the home episode, there's an ingredient to look out for to make sure it's not in your eyelash serum so that you don't age your eyelids. So please go back to that episode and listen to that. If you're using an eyelash serum already, make sure this ingredient isn't in there so that you're not possibly damaging your eyelids and the fat around your eyes because you don't want to lose that. That is precious fat. And that's what eventually ages your eyes and around the area of that space. So you don't really want to do that. And one of the very effective eyelash 
uh, growth serum ingredients does do that, and it's in the majority of eyelash serums. However, it's not in Vegamore, V-E-G-M-O-U-R. That lash serum has peptides, and I think it's red mango and a few other things, so it doesn't have that ingredient. So you could use something like Vegamore to make your eyelashes grow longer. After they're longer, or if you already have extremely long lashes and they're just kind of flat and they don't really curl well, then eyelash lift can be quite lovely. I'm glad I have mine now that my lashes are longer. I'm glad I have the lash lift to keep them up and looking a little bit more kind of not like eyelash extensions. They're my real lashes, but I like that I can see the curl of that length a bit more and it's easier to put the mascara on and it just stays up. Of course, you can use an eyelash curler at home if you want to, but for me, the lash lift after I've got the serum is a nice way to go. Otherwise, I think it's kind of, if you don't do anything super long to your lashes, I think it's something you might be able to save and just get an amazing lash lifting mascara and just do that at home. Eyebrow lamination, on the other hand, I do feel is even more essential. So I'd say that like at coming in even stronger than the eyelash lift. I love eyebrow lamination. Eyebrow lamination now I use very rarely because of what I'm going to share as my number three favorite thing that I do. However, originally, before I did my number three favorite thing, I used to get eyebrow laminations in Portugal and love them. I found them so nice for filling in the gaps because the way that the lamination works, I, by the way, do not do it the spiky model brow way. I just have it laminated. It might look a little bit spiky the first day flashing across my brows, but then I kind of smooth them down and I don't have them going so spiky looking in the, you know, every day after that first day that it's applied. But especially for anyone like me who has more serious brow hairs, I can get some pretty curly ones over time. And I love the lamination because it smooths down and kind of perms, but in a straightening way, those longer lash eyelashes. And so I found out through my journey of eyebrows over the years, getting those done in many places with many specialists, some people will trim the eyebrows and the length of them. And I used to do that for years and years. Any of those longer eyebrow hairs, I would actually trim. And then I met a woman that said that's not good to do to your eyebrow hairs, which I had never heard of from anyone else before. So especially once I stopped trimming the length of eyebrow hairs and some of them would grow long. If they go extra long and curly or weird and wonky, I will just pluck them. But I generally like to keep my eyebrow hairs as much as possible if they're in the right area of my eyebrow. And so the lamination just keeps them in a nice orderly fashion. It looks a little bit more full because of the way that they press. So like if there's an area of um, kind of sparseness or baldness, the way that the uh, lamination happens can kind of fill in in a, in a semi way, kind of like can even out the distribution of your eyebrow hairs. And I just find that that was, especially before my number three spot thing, uh, a very essential thing that I found for my eyebrow care. And I loved doing it. You can also, of course, tint your eyebrows or your lashes. That's going to be based on whether or not you have light eyelashes or light eyebrows and you want that extra oomph. Um, I personally don't really have too much of a problem with those because I wear mascara every single day because I like mascara and makeup. So I put it on uh, pretty much every day, regardless of anything. <laughs> I just like it on. So I don't really need the dyed lashes. I think the only time I would ever not wear mascara is literally on an airplane to go on a long haul flight and put an eye mask on. So other than that, I pretty much have it on. And if I didn't, or if someone doesn't like using makeup though, that might be something you might want to try out is like, if you have light lashes, having them occasionally dyed so that they look a little bit more defined 
as you don't even bother to put on makeup, then that's an option. Um, number five is laser hair removal. So I get laser hair removal on my bikini area, my legs and my armpits, and I love it. And the thing that I didn't understand about laser hair removal, and I don't feel like when I watch other videos about people talking about laser hair removal, it gets spoken about. What I didn't recognize or expect, I did think, okay, it's going to make my hair go away. <laughs> that I understood. What I didn't expect was how smooth it would make the texture of my legs and my armpits. Oh my goodness. It feels like I've just, I got it done yesterday for like after two months of not having it done. And I feel like the feeling as I'm feeling it is like baby skin. Like, you know, like a little like 12 month old child and the feeling that their legs and their hands feel like, or their little arms and their little legs. That's how my ankle feels. Like that is wild. That is not when I would shave. And I never resented shaving. I just kind of got sick of it over time. What I just am obsessed with with laser hair removal more than anything isn't so much the shaving part. It's the texture of my legs not having those hair follicles so strongly poking out and creating texture and roughness on my skin. So I just have to say, call out for laser hair removal professionally. I haven't used the home devices and I am probably not far off, let's say like next year maybe, from trying that kind of device because I if anyone's curious on this and hasn't tried it, I started doing it in Portugal and Jess in Detroit asked me just now when I was telling her about this episode, she's like, how long did you do it? And I was like, honestly, I don't remember. I was in Portugal and there was a lady that I found and I started doing it with her anywhere between six or seven months and like 10 or 11 months. I did it monthly for a long period of time. I know that when you have darker hair, apparently that makes a quicker adjustment. So the more dark and dense your hair is, uh, the more you're going to see a quicker change. And the areas of your hair or anyone with very fine or blonde hairs on their legs or armpits are going to have a harder time getting totally rid of it. And because the laser, I think, is a harder time um, working on that hair follicle than the darker, denser ones. So this is kind of a thing where the laser hair removal is best for those that have the most troublesome, darkest, deepest, strongest hairs that actually is the most effective on that type of hair. So um, I actually have a friend in Portugal who's blonde and she said it was really hard to get the effect. And I was like, oh, what are you talking about? I had such a quicker, like every time I did it, starting from month one, I noticed a dramatic improvement month over month. And then I went about six months or eight months without doing anything because I left Portugal. And then I probably last year did it two times, possibly three overall, just occasionally. I would pop in and get a, a treatment done. And now I've just got a package of six. So I then went about a year between the two that I two or three I did last year. This year I've done basically nothing. And I did notice that the hair was slowly starting to come back more densely and like getting that texture back a little bit on the skin, on the legs. So I decided, I would say, by the way, when it, I say it came back, I would say it came back at about 20, 25% of what it originally was. So it was coming back, but not insane. It wasn't like 50% of my hair was back. It was about 25%. And now that I did a really great, laser two months ago on the same areas. I had two months where I didn't really have to do much at all. Now I just got it topped up. So I think every two months and then eventually I might space it out to three months. Um, I'll get, I'll like basically milk this six package deal that I have as long as I can. I do know laser hair removal can be insanely expensive, especially in London. I was shocked when I looked at the prices at locations around the city. 
absolutely shocked. And then I found a treatment that was, they were having like a special on it in one of the places I was going for other things. And I was like, okay, I jumped on it because I realized it was like a quarter of the price of what other places were charging. So that was nice. But I don't think that offer is still happening now. So it's not even worth mentioning now. It's just like a special summer option. But anyways, I'm milking that six months and then our six treatments over the next year, I'm sure. And then after that, I probably will look at the home devices just for regular maintenance. I do not know how effective a home device would be to start from scratch, but I would imagine that a home device could be quite effective for people like me that have already had it and continue to get touch-ups. Now, number four, Russian manicures. You have probably heard me talk about this. The technical term I think is e-file technique for uh, this type of manicure. But <laughs> in the beginning, I just knew it was the Russian manicure style. And I am obsessed. It's really, I don't, I think, I don't actually know if it's originally in Russia, Russia, or if it's just Eastern Europe. But I can tell you that predominantly when I first found it was actually ironically in Portugal, not Russia. I've never been to Russia, but there is a place called Moscow Beauty Bar in Portugal that is quite kind of well-known overall. They do a good job on their social media, sharing about their work. And it actually, in general, surprise, like randomly, this style, this e-file technique. So if you're searching for this, you can type the words into your Google for Russian manicure, quote unquote, or e-file technique. Either of these are sometimes how I've seen this technique of manicure described if you're looking on to a menu kind of thing and trying to find a salon that offers what I'm talking about. Those are the two search terms I would look for, generally speaking. The person doing your manicure may not be Russian. I've had all different types of people from different parts of the world do this technique on my nails, most commonly through the Eastern European training though. So they're usually somewhere from the Eastern Europe in some other part of the world is what I've usually had. But I've also had an amazing e-file technique manicure done by someone who's Portuguese that just learned from somebody from Eastern Europe and knew the technique as well. So it's really becoming more easily and readily available than when I first originally found it. But I just have to say, if you're getting gel manicures, it is a game changer. It is the gel manicure of dreams. If you are doing Biab, I know a lot of people in the UK like Biab Builder in a Bottle, B-I-A-B. It's not even close. Like it's still, it's better than a regular gel manicure, sure, but Russian manicures will stay on and will basically make your nails look so professional. It's almost as though they're acrylic, even though they're still your real nail with still gel on them. The e-file technique, I think is obviously a great word for this type of manicure because they're using this electric tool. It's kind of like a Dremel that jewelers use and dentists use these types of tools um, with the base piece, but they use all these techniques on the edges to get your cuticles just so, and your just the surface is so good. It takes longer usually than an in and out regular manicure, um, but you don't have acetone ever and you don't have any of the flaking, peeling, chipping, that goes with regular manicures. My nails just grow until I don't like the nail bed looking as long as it does. And then I go and I get it redone. It's outrageous. I love it. If I get, I'm so obsessed with it that I actually get it on my toes too. And that means I can get six to eight weeks out of my pedicure. Again, I just get it redone because of the length of my toenails and the bed of my nail bed basically looking long compared to the polish. That's the only reason I actually need to get these amazing manicures changed. So this has been 
just a game changer. I have then, ever since I discovered it, I I don't think, knock on wood, I've I've had to go back to a regular type of manicure ever again. If anyone's obsessed with acrylics, I I would consider it if you're ever thinking of stepping back from acrylics, but you love the professionalism and the look of acrylics. I would say if you're ever looking, I don't know acrylics, I've never done them, but I have what I would consider probably if I looked at someone else and didn't know they were Russian manicure, I would probably think they might've been acrylics. They're so long and so strong and um, they just look so smooth and even. It's just so next level. I cannot rave enough about this. If you do not know, it may not always be the easiest to find, especially in America. If you're not in a big city, I do not know how easy this is going to be to find. Um, but I found it in Sydney. I found it in Portugal. It's a very common style in Portugal. So Lis- at least in Lisbon, I don't know if smaller towns or Porto. I think actually one of my ladies does work in Porto also. So you can find it in Portugal easily. The UK, of course, I found a place here. There's lots of international people doing lots of international, you know, treatments. So it was easy to find here, but, and I bet you can find it in New York. I don't know where, but I'm I'm betting it would be there. I don't know about California. If I was in Michigan, I don't know. I just hasn't found it in Detroit yet. So keep an eye out though. And just know if you're ever going to a big city, you could always look out for that and give it a shot. But they're something I've never looked back. And if anyone does nails, I would just highly recommend looking into the the training or the process to see if it feels like possibly a fit to consider learning. Because I think it's something that could be so beneficial for more parts of the world to use. Okay, now coming in at number three, this is my, this is getting really good, right? These are really, these top threes, and like I said, there's two that are tied at one. These are my real ride or die, holy grail things that I have done that I love so much, probably the most besides Russian manicures, but you can tell my enthusiasm is growing as I get to these next ones. Number three is micro powder or micro shading eyebrows. (sighs) Oh my goodness. This is something I've only done once with a single top up, and I I guess we'll go back in a year to get another top up, but this was a game changer. So good. And I also think this is, I want to asterisk this and say, this is one of those things that you want to find the very best person that you want to know. Those five-star reviews are about that person. And you want to know that person using that tattoo pen is the person with the five stars, not somebody else at the salon that you hope is good because this is a more permanent to semi-permanent technique. So you really want to know you're you're in good hands. And I certainly was. The way I found this micro powder, micro shading, it's not the same as microblading, but it's a similar technique with a different outcome and a similar application. But again, different outcome, different effect. You would never know looking at my brows at all that I have anything done to them. And that's what I love about this. And the way that I found this was I was getting my eyelashes and uh, lifted and my eyebrows laminated by a woman with amazing five-star reviews. After I learned my lesson with the bad one I mentioned earlier, I was very careful to wait for somebody to, I think it's called shaded and bladed if you're looking in London for the eyebrows and eyelash lift. That person, I forget, yeah, Georgina, I think is her name, is the person I went to in London that had five-star, five-star, five-star reviews for that. So once I went to her to get my amazing lash lift and eyebrow lamination, I saw her eyebrows looked just incredible. And I said, 
what did you do to your eyebrows? And I asked her, I think it's so fun to ask beauty treatment people when they have something really excellent, like their nails or their hair or their eyebrows, you name it, asking them where they got their things done because they're in the industry. They often have friends and they know what's what, and they've often experimented a lot with the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it, all of the above. So they're sometimes the best people to go to. It's kind of like asking the scuba dive instructor, what kind of gear to get for scuba diving. Like somebody that's done it a lot is often going to have, if you like the outcome of what you see on them, a really good recommendation for you. And she had excellent, Georgina had perfect eyebrows. And I said, what do you do? And she goes, I don't do anything. I didn't do anything today. And I said, how did you not do anything? And you have these perfect eyebrows. And she said, oh, I got them micro powdered or micro shaded by my friend, Helen, the sculptress in London. And I just booked in with Helen immediately. She said, yeah, she just does it for friends. I don't know if she's still marketing. So Helen is the woman that I went to for this eyebrow micro powder, micro shading effect. And I think she goes by the sculptress. So if you Google Google. She does this facial sculpting kind of facial massage technique in London over in Mayfair, which she's got a great social media platform for. And I'd seen her marketing that part of her world. I don't even know if she even wants me to be marketing her micro eyebrow thing that much. She does it mostly just like two a month. She just does it more as a hobby now. She's incredibly good at it though. So this is where I got it done and I loved it. It love it, love it. I got it because Georgina had such immaculate brows that were exactly to my taste what I would like my brows to look like. So I felt like I wanted to go to where she got that done. You will have to do heavy reviewing of this kind of thing. It is, I guess, technically now I have a tattoo and it's on my eyebrows, but you'd never even know because the way Helen does it is so delicate that it essentially gives me the effect of if I put powder into my brows, like I did every day beforehand, before all of this, I would put powder in to fill in the empty sparse spots. Even though I had thick brows uh, compared to most people, my Italian roots gave me some pretty decent brows. They were not 100% uniform throughout the brow. So there were parts that were denser. There were parts that were more bald. And so because of that, it was dark and they were long. They weren't evenly distributed. So I would still use powder to fill in the gaps that were Barser. And I also have a little scar from when I was young that I never have eyebrow hair in that line where the stitches went. And so that area also just never got any hair. So I'd have to fill with pencil. Now I have the micro shading. And so this like basically eyebrow tattoo, it's not individual hairs. It's literally just a subtle, subtle, subtle effect that just looks like powder in the color that my eyebrows would be powdered. So I don't have to do much of anything to my brows to have them look even and consistent throughout when I wake up in the morning. It's just so nice. And she also, this is the other thing, she gave me an incredible shape. She was very picky about where she would put the powder pen or like basically the tattoo and where she wouldn't put it because she said, as you get older, this tattoo is going to droop as your brow bone, as your eyes and your facial features drop. So she wouldn't go below a certain point, which I had been accustomed to growing hair below. But she said, we don't want to put the actual tattoo there because as you get older, if any of this remains, and by the way, you can do a few laser treatments. She said one or two laser treatments would remove this completely if I ever wanted that. I certainly don't want that though, because I love it so much. But if I wanted to, it wasn't completely like I 
couldn't get rid of it with a laser tattoo removal process. It's not that deeper scarring as shading. She used to do microblading and then she found the shading technique and she never went back. And she is definitely not a big fan of microblading. I know many people have had it and to, some people love it. Some people have hated it. You know, obviously it's a, a lot, like we said, about the, the technician that's doing the work and the artist that's doing it. But for Helen, she used to do it that and then she found this and she never looked back from this. And I can just see why it's so subtle. It's so soft. It's just like lift in my face. It's defined my brows. It's amazing. It's so good. I got my friend Didi to do it. <laughs> so Didi doesn't have nearly the eyebrow hairs and structure that I had. So she definitely every day was really adding pencil to her brows to actually add a shape and make a defined border for her brows overall. And now she does literally zero to her brows. She just walks around having perfect brows because of the micro shading she did with Helen. Now for myself now, full disclosure, I feel like some of the areas are perfect and other areas I like to see a little bit more pencil than is currently there. So some of it might have kind of, it does over time. She does a touch up 30 days after you get the first one. So she kind of sees where it shrinks in because she does one line and then it kind of like over time pulls into the brow itself. And I, I feel like some of the edges are a little bit bare. So I do put a little bit on the edges, but I like makeup. And so I'm just perfecting the perfect. This is not like I actually probably need to. And compared to my brows before, I certainly am still 75% of what I like better than what it was. But I like that extra like 20, 22, 25% of extra powder just in the little areas that I like to see it. And then I do a little bit of uh, brow gel to just set it and I'm good to go. But I love that technique so much. And that's made my eyebrow lamination a very occasional thing. Now that I have this, the eyebrow lamination is basically a moot point. I don't feel like I need it that much. But I think it is sometimes nice to just smooth out the longer, curlier hairs. So for that reason, I do it, but I no longer need to worry about the hair, lem the eyebrow lamination being something that actually covers sparse areas because there really isn't any sparse areas. So that is amazing. But again, your technician, your artist is everything. You will love or you will hate that based on the person you work with. I actually have some pictures, by the way. So once this episode airs, I think I'll share the before and after of the eyebrows so you can see what they looked like without any pencil in them and also what they look like once the pencil was added or sorry, the micro shading was added. Um, but it was really painless overall. There was a little numbing cream applied here and there, but for, and I'm not a very uh, tough person. It's a lot of beauty treatment stuff like lasers and stuff can hurt me, but this was overall pretty darn painless. Cannot say enough. And especially when Jess comes over to see me in London, I, she also doesn't like DD doesn't have like very strong eyebrows. So I would love to get her booked in with Helen so that she can have it done. I don't know about her top up 30 days later, how that they'll be able to navigate that, but hopefully there's a way that Helen can give her at least her first go at it to give Jess the same beautiful technique that I have received and Dee Dee loves as well. Okay, now number two, this is like, this This is basically almost all three of these are like a tie. These are my go-to ride or die things. Number two is one-on-one -on -one reformer Pilates sessions. Now, this is a deep expense. Like this is a considered expense. Now, is it beauty treatment? Yes and no. Yes, because I think that health is part of what we perceive or I perceive as beauty oftentimes. So what I like about beauty treatments often goes along with the 
health of the body. So obviously it's very, my balance, my um, core strength, my muscles, the tone, the lengthening, the flexibility, everything is improved with Pilates and reformer Pilates specifically has just been my favorite thing because it's so fun. It's so novel every time. It's something I look forward and enjoy doing. And I love the outcome on my frame. It just is all the things I ever wanted in an exercise routine because it's, I don't sweat. It's, it's challenging, but again, I'm not sweating. I don't even have, I don't even have my hair up in a ponytail most classes, yet I get this incredible payoff doing it twice a week. So I am very intuitive about my eating. I love walking everywhere whenever possible. So I do walk a pretty extreme amount compared to most people. But because I'm in London, I have the chance to do that. When it's not raining, cats and dogs, then I love to go walk to different errands and just get uh, as many walks through Hyde Park to go to different places in the city as possible. So I get a lot of walking in. I do eat very intuitively and my intuition does overall like to eat very healthy most of the time, not all the time, but certainly most of it. And then this two times a week, Pilates reformer sessions, the one-on-oneness of it is where I feel I'm kind of getting the results from doing it twice a week with an amazing instructor is as if when I was in Australia, I didn't work one-on-one with anybody. I worked in classes because Australia has so many reformer Pilates classes. It's very common and popular in Australia to take it in a group setting. So when I'm in Australia, I would join and go to two to three. I probably wouldn't make it to four classes a week. I just didn't want to spend the amount of time going to classes, but two to three, I would definitely do a week. And I feel like the effect I'm getting from somebody watching me and helping me bring my awareness into every single movement I'm doing for the hour is giving me double the results than if I did it in a group context where the instructor is not watching every single move I do for the hour. So I'm definitely getting a stronger bang for my buck in the sense of this, but it also costs a lot of bucks to do it one-on-one in London. So it's definitely an investment, but I look at it as an investment, not just in specifically beauty, but also obviously the long-term health and well-being and vitality of my body as I go into like the now and decades to come. Will I be doing this in decades to come? I have no actual clue if I will be, but I have a feeling that there's no part of me that at this point could see stopping for any reason. And I love knowing so many older people in their 50s, 60s, 70s continue to do Pilates and maintain their balance, their core strength, and all of the all the things that go with this. It's a very gentle exercise on the body in terms of gravity and that kind of um, <laughs> the jumping up and down. There's a word for that. I forget the word. I'm sure you guys are thinking of it, but either way, that kind of intensity on the joints isn't there. It's just, oh, it's my favorite. So that is definitely something, again, a much more compared to all the rest of these things. This is where it's a more consistent, deeper expense to do it one-on-one, but I do happen to love the instructor that I have. If I didn't love the instructor, I probably would do group classes, but I do happen to love my instructor. So I do feel the investment in that for beauty and health, well-being, all the things above feels like an amazing fit for me, at least while I'm in London. And when I was in Australia, like I said, I would just go back to classes. And when I was in Portugal, I did it one-on-one as well because there it was harder to find classes, especially I started during COVID. So it was impossible to find classes, but you could work one-on-one with somebody. So I started doing it that way and I kept doing it while in Portugal one-on-one then went, like I said, Australia would do class format and now back to one-on-one in London. I could do classes here, but because I like my instructor and I feel like I'm getting such a 
return on my investment for the results and for the efficacy and all those things. And I also think that one-on-one classes for anybody that's like me that historically may not feel very strong or great at being kinetically connected to their body. Maybe you're a bit more mental person or you're really good at the non-physical stuff like inner voice, beanbagging, you name it, that could be your jam. But when it comes to the physical body, that might not be your strength in your own like you know connection. I found doing one-on-one sessions with an instructor has been one of the most helpful things to bringing my awareness and connection into my awareness into my body. So I love it so, so, so much for all these different reasons. And I just, yeah, can't rave about that specific thing enough. But of course, everybody's got their own joy, their own desires and goals or anything like that when it comes to exercise. But that one, I actually consider basically a beauty treatment and health all in one. Now, these last two, they're tied because I can't, tell you which one I like more. I would be sad not to have either of them in my life. So there, I I guess one of them, if I was in a certain type of location, I wouldn't probably put as number one, but in this type of location, I do. So number one tied for first place are the cellulite Brazilian lymphatic drainage massage, which I'll get into, and the blow dry appointments that I do or blowout appointments I do once a week. So let's go to cellulite massage first. So lymphatic massage is a very gentle process of draining your lymph in your body. You can get lymphatic massage most places that uh, do like a spa, hotel spa kind of package. They might have a lymph massage. Great. That'll feel very gentle. That'll feel really peaceful. You'll like feel a little bit less puffy and it's nice. (laughs) But then there's Brazilian lymphatic drainage massage or some type of verbiage. You're going to want to look for those types of like cellulite removal or lymphatic Brazilian massage, Brazilian, something like that. You're going to want to then look at the description and go, does it sound painful? (laughs) If it does, that's the one I'm talking about, not the peaceful one. I'm talking about the one that might even leave bruises on people or they complain because it's too painful. That's the good one. Now, is it really painful to me? Not now, not at all. It's a (sighs) intense massage, but I find it is so effective. It has transformed my booty and my legs and my my abs were always pretty because of my genetics pretty good but the the legs and the booty oh my goodness has it been a game changer i think that a lot of our bodies as we look at I think a lot of people perceive like youthful bodies as beautiful. When I've really learned about this lymphatic massage, the cellulite massage that was happening, and I was getting the effect of it, I was like, oh my gosh, it's not that we necessarily just think young people are beautiful as a cultural standard. I'm obviously talking stereotypes here. I actually think it's actually what we see as beautiful is a healthy body. And so when we get older, oftentimes our bodies don't work as efficiently as young bodies do. And so we don't see them and perceive them as beautiful, but it's more about the health of the body's not functioning as optimally as a younger body, but you can actually do things. I've, you know, been realizing as I've thought about all of this subject for so much of the last year, you can do a lot of things that actually keep your body regulated to a really high caliber. And then you have that, what people would consider youthful, I just think is like a really high functioning body that youthful bodies tend to have more than as bodies age. One of the things I think is the pipes get slower when we get older. So the lymph is like, to me, the pipe for a lot of our toxins and our fluids and so, so forth. So to me, keeping those pipes 
limber and pushing out the stuff that's no longer necessary, the excess there, not all the lymph, but the excess stuff that's just stuck in the pipes. So think of like a pipe with a bunch of gunk around the edges and the tubes, pushing that out, moving that and getting that out of the way, I do think is so essential to maintaining a beautiful and healthy and detoxed body going into, especially as we get older. And so I have been using this now for several years. I found it in Portugal and I just saw it transform my butt so much. The area below my butt on the higher part of my thigh, like leg on the back, that's the area that is like the most tricky for me, but the area of my actual, everybody's body's different. It's going to hold cellulite and um, lymphatic stuff, fluid in different parts of the body. So everybody's got a different kind of physical makeup, but that area is still a bit of a (laughs) stubborn spot, but it really helps also shape in certain areas too. I absolutely love it. And I feel like it's such a magical thing because it's like, you'd almost would think it wouldn't be able to do what it does. If you told me what I would describe it as is like, a pretend like a little kid is like, I want to mold Play-Doh. And they just push <laughs> on the physical body to mold it the way they think it should be, but they push really hard. That's kind of, in a sense, sort of what's happening. And it actually does help shape things. And it does, you know, like exercise have to be something that you maintain. You can't just do it once and then it's forever. It's not like a surgery where it's permanently done, but it's something you can do on a consistent basis to consistently keep and maintain and improve the cellulite, the texture of your skin, the lymph in your body and the puffiness you feel. It is so good. If you did this, um, one of the places I went to, there's Cellulite Slayer in Chelsea, which is a very posh, very beautiful place if you're looking for it in London. But you could always, like I said, I even found a place, I can't remember the name of it in Australia that had a three month waiting list because it was one of the few places I could find that seemed to be describing it. I also have noticed, by the way, some of these types of places will say that there is a proprietary type of massage that is just their version of this, which is totally fine. Just look for like cellulite reduction. Could be possibly intense or possibly consider painful, um, that kind of thing. And it's, they're using, especially it's great when I find it's more painful, but I also think more effective when they use the, um, silicone cups to suction through the lymph and through the muscles. Um, An IT band is definitely in my area. That's usually my most tender area, but the rest of it, now that I'm really used to the process and also I've been moving my lymph for so many years now with these kinds of massages, it doesn't hurt as much as it previously felt like it did. Um, So it's something that I think that definitely feels better as the more you're accustomed to it and your body's moving its lymph more effectively because of in help with this. So I remember Cellulite Slayer recommending a five, like once a week for five weeks, if you're just getting started with this and want to see a real change, um, doing it that way as a great way to go. And then they said, I think once a month thereafter. So that's something to keep in mind. It can be quite expensive. And I think it's because it's still at this point quite rare to find. So if you can find a place that does it, it, odds are it may not be the cheapest type of massage, but to me, it's a massage that's actually going to leave you with a lasting effect. It's not just um, relaxing. I probably wouldn't call this necessarily relaxing, but that said, I kind of like it now. Like I don't mind it at all. It wasn't what I previously thought would be 
be relaxing or would want, but now I, knowing what it does and knowing how feel, good I feel with it, I just love it. I love it. I love it. Cannot recommend it enough. And I do think if anyone's a massage person and they're looking to expand their treatments and so forth, please look into this. I think it could help so many people be healthier and it's a beauty all in one. So if, if you're interested in learning something new, adding it to your repertoire, I think the more people that find out about this, I think will hopefully cause more demand and then availability and then eventually lower prices or more prices of variance, I guess. So it's not just hyper expensive everywhere you look for it. So yeah, keep that in mind. And then last but not least is my blowout. So blowouts are, uh, I've learned that Australians consider someone once told me blowouts mean like gaining a lot of weight really quickly. <laughs> it's like a blowout. Uh, to Americans, that's just a blow dry on your hair. So I love getting my hair styled by Simone at Air Salons, AER Salons in London. I've been going there for years, uh, over the years of travel years. I found the Air Blow Dry Salon. Now it does full service salon stuff as well. So I get my hair and my hair color and cuts and all that kind of stuff done at the same salon. And Simone is my favorite <laughs> guy to get it done with for my type of look. But I have to say, I can also go to Amir or Francesca or the other people also at this salon. They're a cut above. I I went to a place in Florida because I wanted to get it done before uh, my driver's license picture. <laughs> just so silly, but there was a huge rainstorm and my hair just like collapsed. And so I was like, I want to get it done um, and have a fresh look so I don't look like a drowned rat in my photo. So I got it done there and like the hair blow dry only lasted a few days from that location. So I do think blow dries can be definitely unique again to the facilitator, to the technician, to the artist that's doing it. And I do find Air Salon over the entire world is certainly my favorite place to get a blowout. And the way that they do it with the brushes, I never need to have um, curling iron on my hair. So I just go once a week. I often will hair mask. I'll do a whole episode of my hair so you can hear how I do my curly hair, keep it healthy and still get blowouts all at the same time. But it's a uh, what I sometimes will do is come wet with a hair mask in my hair, then they'll rinse it out and then he'll blow it out. And I get about a week out of it. I'll do the same this week as well. I'll get seven days from this. And then all I have to do the rest of the week is just put a bit of oil on my dry hair, brush it a little bit to keep it from looking too stringy, put a little more oil in, and then I'm good to go each day. So it takes about two minutes to do my hair, which I love, but that is because of these blow dries. So I don't know if I lived in Florida regularly or anywhere that was hyper tropical like Bali, forget about it. I would just do my hair curly. But when it comes to being in London, where I do happen to have my favorite salon and my favorite blowout style that lasts a week, I often default to that. So it, I love having the option, but that is something I have loved doing. And especially before I knew how to do my hair curly, especially then, I definitely was even all around the world finding basically blow dries to do most places on the world. So that's something I've done for so long and I just enjoy it because I'm not able to do my hair as well smooth or like kind of with waves as the stylist can. But now I'm really good at doing my hair curly. So when I want to do it curly, I love having that option and knowing how to do it in a really good way that I wouldn't need a stylist to do. So again, stay tuned for a hair episode if you have curly hair and you're curious about any of those things that I've learned from that because that has been a huge lesson and exploration over many months as well. Oh my gosh, guys, this is so fun to talk about. I hope this has helped you or at least been fun to listen to. Of course, you may have your own favorite things to share and feel free to share them on the comments in the 
episode on like Instagram, what have you, a lively world. You could probably, we could probably make a little thing if you guys want to have a little channel like this on a lively world. If that's interesting to you, let us know. And yeah, thank you so much for listening. Until next time, may something wonderful happen to you today. <laughs>